This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Hello, 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 and thank you for tuning in to the Coffee Fitness Unicorn podcast. I have a very special guest with me today. This is Mr. Dennis K. Crosby. So uh, I'm Dennis Crosby. Um, I am, I currently live in San Diego by way of Chicago. I've been in San Diego for seven and a half years now. And I, I shifted because of the weather, essentially. <laughs> I, I used to live in it. California as a, as a boy. And then I moved to, I was born in, in Chicago, but left there at a young age, uh, moved back when I was like 11 and had always thought that I wouldn't be there long, right? It was a whole temporary situation. Ended up there 30 years. <laughs> and so <laughs> I wanted to, I always wanted to get back. And um, seven and a half years ago, I was like, you know what, if I don't do it now, if I don't try it now, I probably never will. Um, so I came back, I came back to, to California, moved to, to San Diego, and it's, it's been great. My day job, I work in social services. I work for a nonprofit agency, and we actually uh, train people on how to become cooks. We, we work with a culinary arts apprenticeship, and we work with individuals that have had traumatic backgrounds, um, that have struggles with mental health and addiction, um, some justice involvement as well, learn how to um, do the things that they're passionate about so they can have long lasting careers. And uh, that's, that's a very fun job. When I'm not doing all that, I'm, I'm trying to write weird, crazy stories. Seriously, like my little heart just burst. This has got to be like so fulfilling. And, and it like- is, you know, the reason that I do it, the things that get me up is, is those light bulb moments for the people that I work with, you know, because they spend a lot of time working with other agencies or they, they have a, a traumatic background. They have all these encounters with people. It can always, it can often set them back when they have those moments where they actually find trust with somebody and they actually realize they can do more than, you know, what society says that they should be doing. Um, you know, just because you have, uh, you know, a, a traumatic background or justice involvement. If you want to work in a restaurant, doesn't mean that you can only be a busboy or a dishwasher. You can be an executive chef. Um, you know, you don't have to work at a grocery store and just bag groceries. You can actually manage that grocery store, you know? Hell and yeah. so I love those moments. That's, that's what, that's the most fulfilling part is when, when they can see the potential in themselves and then they, they strive for that. Seriously, I had no idea. Like I, I'm just, when you first told me, I was like, okay, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. That's, that's really, that's like so cool. Like, this is such a good guy. Like, oh my God, you know? So I'm like, yes. I was like, there's something special about this man. So that's freaking awesome. Yeah. I've been doing it now. Uh, this will be my 14th year. Wow. Um, and I finished, I finished college. I got my degree in criminal justice. I was working in retail at the time. And after a couple more years, like after I got my degree, I decided I'd spent all that money and time learning. I better get into, 
you know, my major. And I ended up becoming a PI working for a private company. And that was, it was like a dream come true. Everything that I wanted was just right there for me. And I did it for seven years. And after I got to a point where I wanted to do a little bit more. Um, so I pursued a master's degree in uh, forensic psychology. And while I was studying, I was, I was just realizing like how much I, I was missing by not actually being in the mental health field. And so I left that job and I started working for a mental health agency when I was in Chicago and I've been in it ever since. Since we're talking about the, the PI stuff, was it the Pinkertons? <laughs> no. So <laughs> I love the Pinkertons. I wanted to be a pink so bad because they were one of the first agencies that hired they women were. and minorities. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was back in um, uh, just before the turn of the century, the 1800s. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated with the Pinkertons. They were amazing because you see that they have an actual goal in mind. And they're not trying to deviate from that. They're trying to make sure that they, they have this brand and they've got this reputation and they know that the best way to get the job done is to be unconventional, you know? Yep. Um, and so, yeah, bringing in uh, women and minorities and just, you know, doing, doing the right thing. Um, and it may have just been for business reasons, but who cares? I mean, it was still the right thing, you know, for that business and, and for those individuals that got to be a part of it. So um, but no, it was not the Pinkertons. My, my interview was on September 10th, uh, and the next day was September 11th, and the world just, you know, changed. Um, so I didn't call the next day. I was quite busy with other things, as was the rest of the world. Right. I, I probably didn't get back to him until about two weeks later. Oh, wow. And uh, he's like, yeah, I remember you. I remember you. It's like, we're going to bring another guy on. Um, and we're going to get him trained and then I'm going to give you a call at the end of the year. And then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of look at things. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'll never hear from this guy again. There's no way. And sure enough, Christmas Eve, he called, well, if we want to do your ride along. You, you, you are still interested you to get some time. I'm like, I'll make the time. And I went on my ride along with another investigator who ended up becoming my, my team leader. And I just, I fell in love with, it. I was only out with him for like three hours. Uh, on a Saturday morning, and I, I had so much fun. It was so incredible. We just what we did was follow a guy. He went from like his house. I, I think he went to a store that day. He went to another, made another stop, and then came back home. And I'm like, I, I, I can't. I want to do this. I, I got to do this. Um, a month after I started, I went into this undercover assignment, like a long term undercover assignment, working in a warehouse, uh, third shift. Um, the, the owner had, had hired us because they wanted to find out if they were stealing, you know, warehouse goods or selling drugs and came off of that. And then I was, I was a street investigator after that and just, you know, doing surveillance and, you know, just trying to find people doing the things they weren't supposed to be doing. Um, and most of our work was, was insurance fraud, you know, so it was work comp claims. It was, like I said, the first few years, I think I couldn't get enough of it. And after a while, I started to want a little more, wanted to get more involved. And that's, that's when I ended up getting my degree because I wanted to have some additional tools in my belt, you know, that we probably offer uh, the company, but I got swept away with mental health after that. So again, so some of these questions are going to be some, some funny questions, kind of like Pinkerton. Um, <laughs> and uh, so are, are you a fan of gumshoe uh, detective stories uh, like Kolchak, the night stalker, right? Night stalker. Yeah. Yeah. The night stalker. So um, um, absolutely. Um, I'm a fan of good detective stories. 
Last week, I watched Devil in a Blue, a Blue Dress uh, with Denzel Washington and, um, you know, based off of a phenomenal book. Like, it's a reluctant investigator. It's a guy who doesn't even want to get into the business at all. And, you know, this, the whole story really is about him wanting to pay his mortgage and find a way to keep his house. And so I love that story, especially because there's like this, this underlying uh, thing that's driving him. It's not about solving the case. It's about, you know, living the life that he wants to live. Um, But then I I love, you know, also those kind of hardcore greeting, especially the ones that involve like organized crime. And I grew up in Oak Park. So Oak Park is actually where a lot of the old time bosses lived. Uh, they ran the city of Chicago, but they mostly lived in the suburbs. They lived in Oak Park, they lived in River Forest, Elmwood Park, um, Capone even. He lived in Cicero. You know, he had residences, of course, in Chicago, but he primarily lived in Cicero. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I had it both ways where I actually knew guys that were related to people that had been in the mob. And, you know, the city is rich with hit, with lots of history and a lot of culture. I mean, it's got so much culture. Oh, really oh my God. That's, it's one of the things I have to have when I'm there. Just like you I have to have a, a pizza. I have to have the, the hot dog, yeah. um, Italian beef sandwich. I'm going to get oh. that at some point while I'm there. Um, it, it, there. Yeah. There are certain staples that just have to happen whenever I visit. Yeah. Let's just keep rolling with it. Even though, <laughs> I mean, coffee isn't, well, I mean, to me, coffee is a food. It's, you know, it's, for you many, know, it, exactly. it is, it's, uh, it's, it's a it's basic definitely... food group. It's in, I was going to say, it's in my food pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot live without it. Okay. So what is your go-to? So first off, how much coffee do you drink in a day? And what is your go-to coffee drink? So my go-to typically is a white chocolate mocha uh, from Starbucks. I'll get a grande um, and I'll probably get like a plain bagel to go with it with cream cheese. That's, that's kind of how I'll start the morning. Um, or I will get a French vanilla cappuccino. Again, probably like a medium. I should probably start going to small because <laughs> when I get them, it's like I get up in the morning and I'm I'm not rushing to get to work, but you know I'm I'm, I'm I got a good pace going. If I'm not fully awake, I might go a little little larger. The problem with that is that I'll be awake and I will be jittery for a while, and so I have to I've scaled it back so that I try to just get like a medium size. Um, but even that lately has been starting to make me jittery. So I might, I might shoot for the small <laughs> moving forward. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, those are, those are kind of my go-tos um, in the mornings, unless I'm going to write after work. Like if I, if I leave work and if I don't come right home, I might stop at a coffee shop and I'll, I'll write a little bit while I'm there and I'll, I might get another, um, but I'll get a small definitely in the afternoon or late evening. Oh yeah, I hear you. I pretty much only have two uh, mm-hmm. cups a day. Um, I might have a third, depending on same thing. If I've got what I call homework, like if I'm mm-hmm. doing research on uh, guests, um, or I'm trying to organize myself with whatever project I've got going on. Uh, compared to like the pots of coffee I used to drink in the Air Force, <laughs> like when I think about my my caffeine consumption when I was in my twenties, I'm like, good lord. I, you know, it's a, it's a miracle. I wasn't climbing on ceilings. You know? like, I, I think I can fly. I've had two pots of coffee today. So, so needless to say, I, I only have two of these bad boys. 
There you go. And uh, uh, it gets the job done. So you learn so you learn your limits as you get you know at a certain age. I'm, I'm 47 now, and I've, I'm learning my limits every day. I, I I hear you. I'm I'm going to be 52, so we're peers. So there we go. I think we've learned we've learned all the stupid stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and we're like, all right, we're just going to tone it down a bit. Right. Um, <laughs> so Cassidy, Cassidy, her favorite coffee does she have a favorite coffee and does she have a favorite bourbon and if so are those your favorite coffee <laughs> cassidy's favorite bourbon is definitely mine uh which is blanton's um i, I love blanton's it's it's hard to get um i've been lucky the last couple of years i had some friends that are able to get it and i've been able to get it from them as far as coffee she she would do an irish coffee um you know she's she's got to have a little extra kick in the morning um and it doesn't doesn't slow her down just you know just kind of takes the edge off yeah just a little bit gets her ready for the day oh irish coffees are so good i mean come on who doesn't want one of those (laughs) (laughs) so don winslow mr he wrote savages Mm -hmm. um he was also a private investigator Mm -hmm. um so did you guys hang out on stakeouts (laughs) (laughs) did you guys because he would sit on stakeouts and he would be writing his book he would be thinking about savages and and writing his books and i'm like did did dennis do the same thing funny enough when i sat on stakeouts when i was working cases doing surveillance i wrote a lot of poetry um i was not into the long form back then i started so like 1998 right after i finished my undergrad i was sitting around with some friends and talking about the future and i'm like i'm gonna write a book and, and I had no idea how to write a book. I, I don't even know why I said that. I just blurted it out. And I said it so often <laughs> that I started to actually believe that I was going to do it. And so I started to try, realized that I had no clue what I was doing. I was really just writing diary entries. Like my first book was supposed to be about a guy who works at a retail store, which is what I was doing, who becomes a vampire. And then now he has to work the night shift and he has to figure out what to do with his kid. And, you know, I was a dad then I was working at Home Depot and I was like, every, every chapter I wrote was just really about how my day was. That's awesome. Are you, are you eventually going to do that? I I have a vampire novel in mind. It won't be that. (laughs) Um, That idea morphed into something greater uh, years and years later. Um, But yeah, it, that was, that was the first idea I had. And once I realized I didn't know what I was doing, I started writing poetry. I went to, there's a place in Chicago on the north side called the Green Mill, the Green Mill Lounge. And they, on Sundays, I think they still do it on Sundays, um, they would have poetry slams. And so I went and I was just fascinated by it. Like, I just loved every, everyone that got up there and, and read their work. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm going to do this one day. I'm going to get up here on stage. I'm going to recite something. I never did, mind you, but I did start writing poetry a lot after that. And so, yeah, when I was working surveillance, you know, on the downtime, wait for somebody to wake up or come out of their house. Um, yeah, it was just, I was writing poetry. I, I probably, probably wrote about, you know, 75 to 100 poems um, during the span of time. And um, I started getting back into the long form, like short stories and and you know, what eventually became novels, probably 20, 2011-ish, 2012, somewhere around there. But yeah, that's that's how I spent my days in, in surveillance is, is poetry. 
you ever going to publish? I'm closer to wanting to do it now. Like I would consider it more now than I would have, you know, 15 years ago. Like snuck some of your poetry into the, the third I've thought book. about it. Yeah? I've, yeah. I've thought about it. Yeah. Very cool. There's, you know, all my stuff, it tends to take place in and around Chicago. And so there's some great yeah. spots where that could potentially happen. I could certainly see a scene happening at the Green Mill. And then I have some other questions that I want to ask specifically about your books and, and Comic-Con and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So do you have a, so when I was reading your book, mm-hmm. um, this popped into my head because of the, the Greek mythology, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the origins of, of various characters and things. And I don't want to do any spoilers. I don't want, I don't <laughs> like to do spoilers. So uh, do you have a favorite mythical creature um, or God or demigod and, and why? Yes, to both. Um, the phoenix is my favorite creature by far. Um, the idea of living forever and seeing the world and people evolve, um, it just, it fascinates me. I also have a fear of death, which is why, <laughs> which is strange that I have these two books out. Um, but I think that that also lends to my fascination with immortality. And so the phoenix, you know, is a creature that it, it, lives and then it dies it burns and then a new one rises from the ashes and i love that just in that sense but also from the metaphorical sense of you know you're never really down and out you can always rise from you know whatever challenges you're having and so that that bird has always been my favorite creature um as far as gods i think poseidon is my favorite um you know, let's be fair. All the gods, <laughs> Greek gods, are a little, a little, a little weird. Um, <laughs> probably not the nicest people in the world, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but I love, I love the water, right? And I could totally see myself like living in an underwater kingdom and kind of having control over the oceans and storms over the oceans and. Um, horses are majestic creatures and he's the one that created horses and um, yeah I think I I identify probably more with Poseidon as as a god than uh, anything else you were saying about the phoenix um, because I, I I truly and again this is where age comes in right you know you, we have recreated, how, how many times have you recreated yourself, right? You've, Absolutely. We've evolved, you know, going through everything I just went through, you know, the past four years have just been yeah, you know, like they were a living hell. And, and I do feel I very much like the Phoenix mm-hmm. and it's um, that it is, it's a very magical creature and it's got so much power Yes, and, and how uplifting that is. You know, I, I really do feel an affinity with with the phoenix because yeah, yeah. of the way that we constantly rise absolutely from the ashes and that's that's freaking beautiful and i've actually thought about getting that as a tattoo so me too yeah where would you me get too. It? back right shoulder back right shoulder nice yeah. oh yeah. yeah exactly yeah i love exactly. it i love it um so then this probably ties in whether it's true or not but this i'm sure you can relate to this were you read bedtime stories as a child and if so, what ones and what was your favorite? I don't remember being read, but I remember reading stories and especially Greek mythology. Like when I was in third grade, I got obsessed with Greek mythology. Um, it was right around that time that like Clash of the Titans came out. I saw that movie. It came out and then it came on HBO literally 22 times, at least that summer. 
I counted. I, I know it was 22. Um, <laughs> and, but that story fascinated me. And that started kind of that, that fascination with, with Greek mythology and with magic and all these, these supernatural thoughts and, and, and feelings. It was either mythology, it was comic books, it was, um, uh, I read a lot of Shel Silverstein. I <laughs> loved him. Love him. Um, and any, any books that were kind of based on children's movies or, or things like that, I would, I would read that stuff as well. Have you noticed how Coffee Fueled Stories doesn't have any ads? That's because I work tirelessly to keep this show alive. After three years on my own, I've decided I need to ask for your help. I've never asked anyone to subscribe. I've never asked anyone to leave a review. I've never asked anyone to rate the show. And I've never asked anyone to pay to listen. There are a few ways you can help support the show. I've created a Patreon page, Coffee Fueled Stories, and a subscription section on my podcast website. It's simple to support and help me keep my dream alive. Just click the link in the show notes to set up your paid subscription option. It's that easy. Thank you for your support. Very cool. Very cool. So then uh, since Poseidon is your your guy um, and you're talking about comic books, uh, so Aquaman, I'm assuming when Aquaman came out, like you were one of the first ones in the theater for Aquaman. How do you feel about Aquaman? (laughs) Strangely enough, no. (laughs) (laughs) Because when you look at like, I liked Aquaman when he changed. Like when I was a kid, Aquaman was, you know, the blonde beach dude. He was like, he looked like a bro. Um, he was just, you know, okay. Like, what could he do? He talked to fish and there wasn't a whole lot going on, but then they started to revamp him and they made him like this badass dude. Like he had a hook at one point, he had the long blonde hair. Like he looked like he was just ready to, to kick some butt, you know, yeah. when they started to morph him a little bit, then I kind of got into him a bit more and he, he had, he had more swagger. He had a little more, um, some anger, a little angst to him. You know, he wasn't like mm-hmm. a pushover. Um, so yeah, once, as, as he progressed, I got a little bit more into him. Nice. Yeah. Nice. My go-to superheroes were, it was Superman. I mean, who, who wasn't? Ask my boy. As I mean, I, I love Superman. He's he's my favorite, and and you know my friends who are Batman fans, we you know, I, and I, I obviously don't like to compare them because they they are not the same. They are not. They're, they're not they're the not. same. You, so you know, you like Superman because he is this, and you like Batman because he is that, mm-hmm. and it's it's literally apples and oranges. Yeah, it they really apples is. Apples and oranges. Yep. Like, you know, and and I I love all superheroes yeah. because again they right the wrongs in the world. And, and and we live through them. And I remember, you know, reading comics and seeing these, you know, beefcakes um, in spandex. And I'm like, <laughs> go get the bad guys. Like, you know, because I, I, I was teeny tiny, you know, I was like this little thin thing. I barely yeah. went into the Air Force. I only weighed 103 pounds. Um, and I, uh, you know, so again, you know, seeing these guys and, and their, their, their big muscles and stuff, like I had mm-hmm. respect, even though it was just a cartoon you Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Hulk 
Like yeah. I grew up watching those guys. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, beefcakes do exist. Right. You know, so these guys are clearly modeled after these bodies. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I loved comic books, I, you know, and, and my mom used to give me so much crap because she's like, but you're a girl. And I was like, but these guys are awesome. <laughs> mom, like it's stories. Like this is, this is justice. Like they're exactly. doing good things, you know? And it's so. also that, that hero's journey for me too. It's like, you know, every one of them had some type of issue or trauma that happened to them that, that led to who they are. And you can go one of two ways. You can go the supervillain route or you can go the hero route. Yep. And so watching those, how those stories, you know, unfold over time is, is also fascinating to see, you know, and then you start to wonder what if, you know, what if Superman had become the bad guy you get right. those stories now too right. what if batman had you know gone to the dark side you know it's just it's it's all fascinating to me Ab- absolutely and, and you you said the magic words hero's journey right? so it, <clears throat> again it ties back to greek mythology yep you know everything goes back to those guys who are absolutely you know, um my, my mom always described it as those those crazy guys who are smoking crazy leaves and, <laughs> and, and i was like they, and we would we would sit and talk you know greek mythology and talk about these cra- crazy characters and we're just like, man, they just wrote some crazy things, mm-hmm. you know? And, but at the same time, it's also very fascinating, very cool. And, and that's mm-hmm. the stuff that you, obviously you study and, and everything does come back to, you know, Greek literature. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so you, you can't discredit it and no. the hero's journey. Like I, I'm fascinated with the hero's journey and, and, and a quest. Um, one of my favorite words is buildings Roman, right? Which is coming of age tale. Mm-hmm. and um that's that's exact and that a, a hero's arc right yeah. and all of that is it's all related that's all like the nerdy stuff that i exactly. love about literature yeah yeah um and on that note this is gonna lead us into urban fantasy yes and 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 death legacy and now we can't talk about death's debt because I haven't read that one yet. Um, so so uh, I, I, I apologize for not having all my homework done. Don't worry um, about it. It's, it's out there. You can get it when you can. I will. I will. <laughs> and, and then uh, I was uh, when I was playing on your website, um, you have uh, in, in Castle of Horror Anthology, you have mm-hmm. a story in there. Yes, I do. Called The Boneyard. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a horror retelling of Sanford and Son get out yeah so <laughs> the the call came out um early last year they were going to do another it was it's volume five of the castle of horror anthology series and it's called subtitled thinly veiled the 70s and so the the idea is to take um pop culture from the 70s and give it a horror slant and so i was thinking about like what can i do what can i do and i'm like ooh, i know sanford and son what if Fred Lamont weren't just living at a junkyard? What if it's like the gateway to a hell mouth and they've got to, you know, they've, <laughs> they've got to protect the world from demons. I'm like, yep, that's what that is. And that's that. And I wrote it. Uh, it was a lot of fun to write. Um, but yeah, that book has got some great, great stories in there. A buddy of mine wrote a horror retelling of um, the Partridge family. Uh, it, it's a fun, fascinating story. Another person wrote a horror retelling of happy days. Uh, yeah, so it's it's like all these great 70s shows, basically, and it's got the horror slant to it. Yes. So I love that. Um, and then also released a horror yep. anthology. You've got a story in there. 
It's called Rise of the Diva. It is actually a prequel short story to Death's Legacy. Um, and it leads into introducing the main villain of Death's Death. And you also were a participant in some panels mm -hmm. um, at Comic-Con. Yeah. And those were for creating characters, right? It was about... Uh... Yeah, right. How to create psychologically rich characters. Um, you know, how to make your characters feel like people. You know, how do we take... How do we take this person that is, you know, in print made up of 26 letters? How do we make those people like engaging for individuals to want to read and learn about? It's a great panel. It was a dream come true, too, because, I mean, it's Comic-Con, first of all. I mean, that's like every nerd's dream, right? Come on. Not just to go to it, but to actually sit on a panel, you know, and be involved. Oh, my God, it was fabulous. Um, and, I, yeah, I sat up there with some great writers and we just we talked about, you know, how do, how do we how do you dig in and actually create someone, a character that people can, can relate to someone that resonates with them. That doesn't seem too over the top. Um, <clears throat> you know, what do you do to really keep that, that individual grounded so that people don't just dismiss it and get turned off. Very cool. Very cool. I know this is going to sound silly, but one of the things that um, I'll pay attention to, and I think it probably started when I first picked up the uh the millennium trilogy series mm -hmm. um before uh stieg larson um passed away and his character i was fascinated with his character creation and it had to do with his characters drinking so much coffee no oh, wow. as silly as that sounds <laughs> and i think that's what kind of like really like brought me into the world mm -hmm. um because his characters were always drinking coffee and they mm -hmm. were always eating. And of course I was reading it at bedtime. So I'm, you know, in my bed and I'm like, really guys, come on. <laughs> I'm like, now I want a coffee and now I want a sandwich and they're always making sandwiches and they're always drinking coffee. And I was just like, and, and that to me, like really like that resonated as a way to like really pay attention to a character in a yes. book. And um, so that's one of the reasons I came up with the, the, the questions for you mm -hmm. was because, um, you know, she was always drinking coffee and always drinking bourbon. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I remembered that. And, and to me, when I'm reading, this is just something that I personally do. I try to pay attention to a character's eating because if a character doesn't eat or if it doesn't drink, it doesn't feel like a real, doesn't feel person. real. Yeah, exactly. And that's like exactly. the first thing I do. I'm like, okay, what are they eating? Right. And what are they drinking? That's what turns me off of characters that you like on TV shows and movies. It's like, <sighs> They're always doing these great things like, okay, but what do they do for a living? Like, how are they making all this money to do this yes. stuff? <laughs> yeah, like real life. Like you, you have to give me a real world scenario. Yeah, At least exactly. one. Just one. Just one. That's all. And that's if, all it's, if, if that's the only thing that, that exists for them at that point, cool. Like if they're only worried, like, like with Easy Rollins in, in Devil in the Brew Dress, he just wanted to pay his mortgage. He wanted yeah. to find a way to pay his mortgage. Yeah. That is a real thing, you know, yes. and that's what draws you into that character. Yes. So yeah, exactly. it's, it's gotta, it's, you have to find some way to connect. And I've talked to other writers too. Um, now that you mentioned the food piece, because having that element in there, I think is, is something that truly brings people like you can get into the food, describe the food and describe how they, how it makes them feel when they're eating it. And all of those things, all those elements can go into it. And I think that's a great way to to capture folks' imagination because that they can be in that scene with that character. 
exactly food is very powerful absolutely i freaking love it why don't why don't you go ahead and tell us about cassidy her world the book without spoilers if without you can. spoilers um that way uh you know, everybody who's listening they can they can get a window into this world because you yeah. and, you and i are in your world but we we need to get them into your world <laughs> so cassidy simmons she is a she's fascinating because i i'm, I'm not even certain where she popped up from um i decided 2016 17 that i wanted to i was writing but I, I wanted to really learn more about the craft so i decided to go back to school again i went to grad school a second time to work on an mfa so i got my master of fine arts in creative writing and one of the one of the workshops i took was actually a screenwriting workshop and so death's legacy my first novel was actually a really bad script that i wrote for class no way. <laughs> yeah and the script is, is, it's vastly different, well, not vast, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty different than, than the book. Um, it, it goes into a very different direction. And I, I found out two things. One, that screenwriting is hard. So my hat is off to anyone that can write a script. Mad respect. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like, you have to put all of this stuff into like, you know, the, 90 pages every page is a minute of screen time and so mm. you know if you got an hour and a half movie that means your your script is 90 pages and i could not figure out how to condense all that i did well in the class but it just didn't feel like i felt like i needed to give more to the story and so i decided to make death's legacy my thesis and so i expanded the script into a novel and i was looking for like initially Cassidy was just kind of this was more of a revenge movie than anything else, right? She was just kind of angry at the world and, and, and lashing out and kind of getting people back with this power that she had. Um, but she was also kind of hiding and I needed to give her a little bit more depth. And so when, when I started writing the story, I was really digging into her. And one of the things that I like to do with, with my characters is I interview them. I would write down questions and I would answer them as if I were the character. Like, that is so cool. I'm going to start doing that. And so in those interviews, I learned more about her. I learned more about what drives her, what scares her, um, and learned that she really has, you know, she had more fear than anything else. And it wasn't just like fear of the unknown. It was, it was fear of herself and trying to understand who she was and why she has these abilities, you know, aside from, and this is not so much a spoiler, but she's, she's a reaper, meaning that she's a, she's a creature and a being that can usher souls to the afterlife. If you're good, you go to the beyond. If you're bad, you go to the void. And <clears throat> that ability came much later, but she grew up having this empathic ability. Mm -hmm. She actually feels people's emotions and like, in a very real way, like they impact her on a physical level if they're really strong. And so her life was really about trying to understand that power, where it came from, how to manage it. Um, and, and Death's Legacy starts to take off as that power is kind of growing out of control, out of her control. And so to manage it, she drinks more, you know, and after a while, the drinking's not helping. And so she uses Vicodin yep. and then that, that's not helping. And so then she uses Vicodin and the, the, the bourbon. 
Um, and that those elements came from some of the work that I did in Chicago. Um, you know, I worked in mental health. I worked for a community mental health agency that worked with adult men and women with, with severe and persistent mental illness. Most of them had dual diagnosis. So it was mental health issues and addiction issues. Mm-hmm. And I worked with a number of individuals that would, you know, they would chase pills with the alcohol and you could see the effect that it would have on them. And so I draw from those experiences in, in many ways. Draw from the experiences of, of having that, that insecurity. You know, I've got insecurity. I think, you know, most people I know have it. And so adding that element into Cassie's kind of makeup and then making her somewhat of a reluctant hero too. You know, there are those heroes that, that are kind of born to be heroes. Um, and then there are those, the ones that you resonate with the most are the ones that become heroes because they have to be. Yeah. Um, the John McClane's, you know, you've got to save the world. You've got to save the people in Nakatomi Plaza because no one else can do it. You're the only guy in that building. You've yeah. got to do what you've got to do. And so because of her abilities and because of her connections, she's got to now put aside some of those fears and mm-hmm. recognize that she's, she's the only one that can do this. And so legacy is about her kind of coming to terms with who she is, um, learning more about who she is and where she really comes from, and then trying to accept that, accept that as who she is so that she can do what she needs to do. And then and we go to, to death's debt, which becomes more about her getting comfortable with that idea, you know, Death's legacy, she, she realizes who she is and what she has to do. And now Death's death, she's like, what, what gives me the right to do this? Why do I have the audacity to think that I can do this? This is really about that imposter syndrome that I felt as a writer and that most writers feel, quite frankly, um, because we're always comparing ourselves with another writer. We're always comparing ourselves as, you know, who has more success or who's done this or that. It's also about why do I have the audacity to think that I can write this story and somebody's going to want to read it? She's, she's battling that now in Death's Dead. And it's her, her arc is really, you know, understanding who she is, where she comes from, reconciling that, being okay with that. And, and now it's about really, truly understanding what that means and accepting it um, and then trying to dig in a little deeper to find out what she now has to do. There's, you know, there's a lot of mythology in it um, because that's just what I love. You know, urban fantasy, I think, is perfect for me because I like I like the fantasy portion. Right. I like the magic. I like the creatures. Um, I like building worlds where almost anything is possible because it's a great escape from the real world. Right. Oh, yeah. But I also want to keep it grounded in the real world because in doing so. You give people. I think it gives people hope, right? So when I'm watching an urban fantasy show, you know, and I see, oh, wow, there's a doorway that goes to a different land. That's so cool. What if we really had that? And I can just kind of think about that. Oh, what if I could leave work after a rough day and then open this door and then go into, go back in time to a speakeasy in the 20s? Or, you know, uh, go back and watch, uh, you know, I don't know, watch the pyramids being, you know, something something magical happening and 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 that's that's what i like about this so i can i can take those real world pieces i can take the trauma i can take the 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 depression and and all of the the challenges that people face but i can add these magical elements that help kind of give some semblance of hope 
or at the very least, an escape from, from what we're actually experiencing on a day-to-day basis. I'm so glad that you explained that because I don't think I've read any other urban fantasy. Okay. I really enjoyed Cassidy every time he talked about like the park, like I could envision it because it's a real place. Mm -hmm. And if I wasn't too sure where it was, I could go Google it and stay grounded, but have that escapism. And and Mm -hmm. again, that's the beauty of literature. And that's why we, that's why we read. We don't necessarily want to stay here. Yeah. Some days you really want to get away. (laughs) <laughs> sometimes you can't afford to get away so you're like you know what i'm gonna go pick up this book and i'm gonna go disappear and, and and you do and you just disappear into this this magical land and you get to meet these these awesome characters it, when and i'm not gonna i don't want to give away too much but i remember when when the the marine was killed i was trying to think i was like okay is he collecting these particular people because he's mm. he's wanting the strength of their soul. Like I was like, where is Dennis going with this? Why like why yeah. is he why did he kill this person? And why <laughs> did he kill this person? And why did he kill this person? And, and, and like, you know, what is he gonna do with these people? So in my head, again, this was very early on in the story before I even got, you know, I had any idea what was going mm-hmm. on. Um, and, and that's what I do. I ask questions in the sense of, okay, where are we going? What's happening? Mm-hmm. Where is he taking mm-hmm. me? And um, then I have to, use, it's kind of like a roller coaster. Uh, you're, you're sitting and it's like, chink, 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 chink. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, where are we going? What are we doing? Click, 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 click. And then yep. you get to that. Uh, <clears throat> and, then and then you kind of just have to let your hands go. And it's exactly. Like, okay, stop asking questions. <laughs> just, just let him tell me the story, you know, but I, I, I think, I don't know if, if it's just my, my crazy brain or, or it's because I'm excited. I actually had a friend that did that to me the other day. She started reading Death's Debt and she was, I don't know, not even a third away through the book. And she's messaging me all these questions. Like, you've got all this backstory. I don't even know what this is going. Like, what are you doing? Like, like you have to, you have to read more to find out. Like, I promise you it's going somewhere. And then by the time she, she finished it, she goes, oh my God, it all came together. Like, that was really good. Like, it was complex, but I love how you put it together. And I'm like, there's a, there's a method to my madness. I promise I won't, I'll do my best you know, not to just lead you astray and, and not make it make sense. That scene that you talked about with the Marine. So there are, there are three separate death scenes. They have their own chapters, just about those three individuals and, yes. and, and how they die. And there is a, there's a purpose behind them dying um, so that they can, yeah, they, the, the big bad can, you know, obtain their, their souls and their power. Um, <clears throat> but even my editor, it's like, why did you put these in here? This is, the, we don't need this. I'm like, well, we do. Cause there's, it's going somewhere. I promise you. Um, but also like, I know these three people, those are friends of mine. And I, I put on my Facebook page when I was writing Death legacy, I'm like, who wants to die in my novel? I need three to five people. And I had, I don't know, like 20 responses. And I took, you know, I took three of them. And I gave, well, I took five of them and I gave three of them actually separate chapters. So the Marine, Ben, um, is a buddy of mine. He's, he's a writer. Actually, his, he has a book coming out next fall. Uh, his first novel will be coming out next fall, but he's a Marine. Um, and I wanted to, like, I gave him a scene that was, I, I, I messed him. I said, yeah, I just, I just killed you. I said, it's, it's great. I said, but I promise you, it's like, it's fitting of a Marine. So you're, you'll really love it. Um, one of the characters was my son, the paramedic. My, my son's not a paramedic, but I gave the paramedic my son's name and I killed him. 
And I told my son, I said, hey, I just killed you in the book. He's like, dude. <laughs> I said, don't worry. It's fantasy. I can always bring you back if I want to. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I like I I the other part of writing I love is is bringing people that I know into my world. Death's Debt has um, one of my best friends. He's in the book. He he passed away um, last December, December 2020. And in fact, his birthday is tomorrow. Um, So I wanted to kind of honor him. And, you know, it's all in Chicago. And I'm like, this would be a great way. Like, I could put him in this book very easily and just kind of make him an old friend of Cassidy's. And just knowing how he is and his mannerism, like, this would be, this would be perfect. And so I, I added him in. I dedicated the book to him, actually. Aww. And um, so I, I like bringing people that I know into my world uh, because it's, it, it helps draw them in. But it also just helps make it that much more real for me. You know, just it's... I take much more pride and I take more time with making sure the story is as strong as it could be um, because I'm actually bringing in people that I know. I want to make sure I respect them as much as possible too. Absolutely. And, and I love, I love that you are like the ultimate puppet master in that way. <laughs> right. And, and but you said, I just killed you. And I was like, but, but I can bring you back. Like, <laughs> that, that is, I love that. Like, that's a great story. And then um, it's also beautiful that you can honor your friend, you know, yeah. like, like that's again, you know, big heart, you got a big heart, there's a big heart <laughs> in that guy. And, and, and that's, you know, I, so I love being able to have a window into, you know, the, the writer's world. Like that's, that's really cool because yeah. it helps us get closer to you, mm-hmm. you know, so that we can connect with you again, even more on, on a deeper level. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's beautiful that you, you were able to, to, to bring him in and Definitely. honor yeah. him that way. And I love that you, you told the Marine, you know, uh, it's, it's fitting of a Marine's, you know, Marine's death. And it's funny that you say that because I was reading that and I was like, yeah, I was like, that's, <laughs> that's how a Marine's going to do it. Like, you know, I was like, he's going to, that's, I can relate to that guy. So yeah, uh, right. ben, yeah, I could relate to Ben. So I, I very much enjoyed uh, Ben's death. Um, <laughs> and I say that in the most loving way. In the most loving way possible. Yes. 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 Uh, but uh, no. So, so this is, this is really cool. I really, really, really enjoyed, um, you know, talking with you and, and getting to know you. Um, is there anything that we should know? Are you working? You've got a third book. I, I am working on book three um, slowly. It's book two, so <laughs> it's funny. I wrote book two much faster than I wrote book one, but it took a while for me to really get going with it. And I find book three, I'm having the same challenges. Um, some of it's kind of COVID fatigue <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm so I'm trying to get this story right. I think I've I've got. I've got it really where it needs to be. And I'm, I'm working on it now, very slowly, but working on it now. But I, I'm also going to be working on a mystery novel this uh, year too. That My plan is to write two books this year and publish at least one of them. So the third book in this series will definitely be published. Um, and then book uh, the, the mystery novel, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see, I'm going to shop that around a little bit and see what that looks like. People always asked, you know, why didn't you write a mystery book? You used to be a PI. You were a PI for seven years and you're writing fantasy. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) 
you know, it's the same principle as a guy that works at the Cheesecake Factory for 20 years, probably doesn't like cheesecake as much as he used to, you know. Um, but also, even more than that, it was about I wanted to make sure I got it right. Like, I want to, when people think of PIs, the first thing they think of is the show Cheaters or that we are following around, you know, cheating spouses, hiding in bushes with those gotcha moments. And there's, there are many more elements that go into it. And I, I want to make sure that I, I honor it, at least as a profession, and honor the people that actually do it and do it well. Um, and so I don't, even though I was in it, there's still things that I want to make sure don't get trivialized. And you can trivialize something easily if you don't know how to actually write in that, in that genre well. And so I've been trying to brush up a little bit more on, on mysteries, um, whether it's reading or writing, taking a few mystery workshops and just trying to make sure that I get those elements correct so that it's, it flows well and that it really does some credit to, to that genre. So that'll, that'll happen at some point this year too. Very cool. So, and um, is, do you think it will just be a trilogy or no. I was going to say, or are you just going to keep going with it? Yeah. I mean, when people stop getting, when they get tired of Cassidy, then I'll think about stopping. Um, this, this kind of story arc that she's currently on, um, this storyline rather probably, I can probably go, like, I've got, got in mind at least four books for this storyline, but even after the storyline kind of wraps up, there are so many more adventures that she can go on that I can, I can envision just kind of writing her forever. Don't leave me hanging. And so when um, I, I finished your book mm-hmm. and you had finished the second book, I was like, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> I was like, I, there's a second part to this story. I'm like, yeah, oh, but like, you'll be you'll be mad at the end of this one because oh, no. I've got I've got three cliffhangers. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh so I'm give you are social- warned. So at least I have a book too. Okay, there's a cliffhanger. You have warned me. Uh-huh. I, I, I will cool my jets and I will just I will patiently wait for <laughs> The, the rest of the stories to come. So uh, I, I won't, I won't be so aggro uh, when I finish the second one. <laughs> but yeah, I go, what are you doing? To me? Like, it, it's funny because, you know, we get so attached to characters, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. and, and we, we do fall in love with characters and, and to be attached to, to a character and to a story, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's got to make you feel, you know, like you've done your job as a writer. Absolutely. When I, I've, I've received, especially with, you know, book two just came out in November. So I think people are still reading it, but with, with legacy, I was really surprised at how many people I, that I didn't know would message me and just say how much they related to the character. And, you know, I was, there's a woman from, from England she had read the book she was reading on her kindle and she was like thanking me for the way that i represented the character and, and another person's like oh my god this is so i had a cousin that was you know doing i'm like oh my god this is this is wonderful <laughs> like people are actually connecting with it that means i did something right and 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 having that i think is the kind of that ultimate thank you you know that you actually have created something that people can connect to um, that draws them in. And now not only do they like your work, but they like you, you know, yeah. cause you kind of, you get, you guys go together, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been so, it's been wonderful to get that feedback and to know that I was really on the right path. And it's so easy. 
and to just do things for shock value. And it's like, it doesn't really do justice to the story, to the character. And it completely, in my opinion, disrespects the reader. And I, I never, I never want to do that. And so I'm, I'm very careful about, um, <clears throat> you know, how I portray the characters, um, you know, what's the things that they go through. I want to make sure that it's, it's understood that it's, it's not like a stereotype, you know, and um, that, that's very important to me more even so than the plot is just making sure I get the character right. And that I, I'm respectful of that character. And um, uh, we did talk about book brush in the beginning when I mm-hmm. wasn't recording just yet. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to uh, uh, reiterate that that's what you use. Cause like I said, this, this background is just like freaking cool. I can't get enough of this background. Yeah. I mean, for any writers out there that are looking to just kind of create some really cool graphics that feature their book covers. And, you know, I've, I've, I've used this now for over a year and it's just uh, bookbrush.com. It's just a great little kind of tool to use to create great ads, you know, and I'll take a cover of my book. I'll put a nice background on it. I'll put like a quote from the book or I'll put a review that someone did or a snippet of a review and it just comes out so beautifully. It's easy to share on, on all your social media, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, um, the pictures come out really good and solid. So yeah, I, I'm a big fan of them. Very cool. Regarding your audiobooks, and this, mm-hmm. this might be like the stupidest question, so I apologize. No. Do you get to pick who the narrator is, or do you get to tell someone who the narrator, or do, like, do you suggest, like, I don't know anything about that world, yeah. so I don't know if you have experience in that, if you want to share to, to help other people understand the process. Sure. So there's a lot of... A lot of things that you can do as you as you get more established in the field, you can kind of, I, I, you know, I hear at least, you know, the big name bestsellers, they can kind of pick and choose who they might want. Audiobook recorder or the narrators, their, their schedules get kind of busy. So it's kind of hard to um, say, hey, I would love for you to do this. And either their price range might be out of the out of the question or their time frame might be out of the question. Um, but there are some things. So mine is published through Audible. Um, and, and with them, what I'm able to do is request people to audition. So I can put a sample of my book up and you do like, you know, maybe two or three pages. And you say, you kind of narrow down the field. You say, okay, I'm looking for a female narrator. Um, someone that can, um, you know, maybe do a Southern accent or someone that's got an urban type feel, uh, maybe someone that can do British accents, you know, can't, you can, you can narrow it down like that much. And then you'll get kind of this, um, this group and you can kind of, you can look and you can hear their samples or you invite them to audition for, for, to read for you. And so with mine, I put mine up for audition and I had probably like eight people, um, that did some sample recordings and um, the one that I chose April Lee she, the, the sample that she read I felt like she captured Cassidy's sarcasm which is very important for me because she's very sarcastic <laughs> and I, I just kind of noticed that in the way that she read it she captured the sarcasm she captured a lot of the angst that Cassidy feels um, some of the anger and it just, it felt, it felt right uh, for her to, to do that. So I, I tapped her to, um, to narrate the book for me. 
And yeah, and so you can set a, a timeline. Like if you, you know, if you're looking to get this book out in two or three months, you say, okay, this is the deadline to get it done. Um, you know, if you need an extension, let me know, whatever the case may be. And you just kind of wait for her to download and she'll go section by section, chapter by chapter. And as she's recording and uploading, you can listen back and say, ooh, that sounds great. Or if something didn't get captured right, you email and say, hey, you know, this voice sounds a little bit too rough. Uh, maybe scale it back a little bit. Can you redo this? And, and they can go back and redo them. How cool is that? That was like, yeah. that was freaking cool. Like I, I was, when I saw that you had, um, you know, uh, Audible and, and with a file and I was like, oh man, I was like, that's, I've always been curious. Mm-hmm. Does the author have the capacity to be involved or does the publishing company just go, nope, we're going to, this is who we've chosen. This is what yeah. we're doing. This is part of the contract. So that's freaking cool. So thank you very much for explaining that process because that, that, that to me is like a little nerd out element that, <laughs> that like, again, because I want to connect to you. So the fact yeah. that you chose her mm-hmm. to, to be the voice of the character, like, like that's freaking and I think, cool. Like I said, it can be different. I think with different audible audio companies, um, there might be some that, you know, you just kind of get paired with somebody. You don't have much say into it. Um, but I'm, I, I publish hybrid, meaning that my, my publisher is a hybrid publisher. So I am an indie author that publishes under a, a publishing imprint. And so I have a lot of control over what happens, not just the content of my book. I give a great deal of feedback into the covers. Um, I kind of describe what I want. They go ahead and, and they design it and I can say yay or nay. Um, fortunately, like these two covers are the first time out that they hit home runs with both of them. So there was not a lot of back and forth with those. Um, but anything that, that happens in terms of content or I own all the rights to my characters, you know, everything that, that I write, um, I receive all the, all the royalties for, I don't have to share it with anybody. And so with the audiobook, it's, it's kind of the same way in that I'm not a big name author, you know, so I don't have to kind of compete um, and I can find ways to get more involved in that process. And, and, working with, with audible, um, ACX, um, is, has been, has been really, really beneficial in, in the sense that I can see how that type of, or that part of the business is done and, and kind of learn more about it and, and have more input and impact on it. Very cool. And um, I'm glad that you said that because, um, has, has the idea of maybe like a, um, I know we were talking about script writing and mm-hmm. screenplays, has and it started out originally yeah yeah have have you considered or has anyone approached you to say hey we would like to turn this into like a a, a tv limited series or a tv miniseries or a yeah not yet some sort of tv show or a movie or something like that yeah i would love that um hasn't happened yet i'm i am hopeful i could see i would i would love to see this character as a series i think you know to be there's a a, a number of storylines that 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 could go from this uh, or come from this. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, in the back of my mind, that's, that's the hope. Um, I also want to be able to kind of cultivate this character a little more, get a little bit more content out there for her. And I think as we've got, you know, more stories, I think that becomes more of a, a viable option, but I'm open at any time. So I, I think it, I think after book three, I might try to pursue that a little bit more, um, and see kind of, you know, what that, what that world might look like. Very cool. Cause 
as I was reading it, I could totally see like a sci-fi show. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just kind of popped into my head as I was yep. like, this would be really cool to like see as a, a you know, a, a TV series. Like exactly. I, I could totally see that. Um, and that was just, you know, in book one, I haven't even, I haven't even gotten to the rest of the story, <laughs> but I, w- I was reading it and I was, and I, you know, I could, the, the way that you were describing, you know, the smoke and the swirls, like I could, I was like, Ooh, yeah. I was like, I could totally see that. Yeah. That would be really cool. So, okay. I would so, love it. I would so totally love it. That's the hope. That's what we're all going to put out into the universe. And we're going to say, get out on sci-fi and, and put those vibes out there. And then, Definitely. Uh, every day, every morning, put it out there. All right. We, <laughs> I, hey, I have, I have my little, I don't know if you do um, affirmations or, or a little, I have, I'm surrounded by, I've got little post-it notes here. And um, uh, so I stare at this and I can't take credit for this. So the ones who tell the stories rule the world. And mm. that's a Hopi proverb and it's right, right here on the wall. And so it reminds me that storytelling is, is how we connect. That's, that's, yeah. you know, that's we, my world, my head. And then I also have the post-it note. It's good to be a unicorn. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, you know, don't be love afraid it. to be yourself. Don't be exactly. afraid to be yourself and, and, and put yourself out there and, and share yourself with the world, yes, you know, definitely. And, and so I love it. And then um, on that note, what I would love to do is uh, now that I have a, a little tagline uh, and like I said, I take no credit for this. Uh, <laughs> I do take credit for that. It's good to be a unicorn, even though I did borrow it from um, what was the movie um, where, where they say it's good to be a gangster um, and they're destroying the. Um, oh, um, office space. That one. <laughs> destroying yes. the fax machine. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, and I had to, cause I almost put that song on my blog. It's good to be a unicorn. That was actually a blog from a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. And I was listening to the song and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to put that on my blog. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that, but it, it's good to be a unicorn. I feel very safe with that. That one. You can, you can I, connect I with that one. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, um, and then Brandy was uh, awesome enough to come up with a, a, a tagline for me. Because I feel like with this podcast, it, it allows me to to be the DJ of my world. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I'm I'm bringing people into my world and I'm sharing them with yeah. others. And so my my new little tagline tagline is "Go forth and be magical." And, and I was wondering if you would like to uh, to to take us out with a a, a "Go forth and be magical" um, uh, to to close out the podcast. Go forth and be magical. We will go forth and be magical together absolutely I, I would go forth and be magical on a daily basis i'm going to wake up thinking that now every morning thank you for tuning in to the coffee fitness unicorn podcast with this week's special guest dennis crosby author of death's legacy and death's debt his books are available on amazon and his links are in the podcast details Thank you for unicorning with me. Go forth and be magical.